0: So I don't I don't usually offer this but since a since you're an editor and B since our conversation I don't want to like I don't want to um, hold anything back and since like our relationship transcends or blurs many boundaries between work and love and play, And all sorts of interesting intersections of art and politics and Mm -hmm. sex. And I I don't want you to, I don't think we should like restrain ourselves. I think we should give ourselves the option of uh, deleting things that might come, we might decide later our TMI, as they say.
1: Okay, that's fine. That's good. So that
0: will just like allow us to have like a very... A very free-flowing conversation.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> um, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> Having you on the podcast, I know, t- to your annoyance a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> sure. actually, actually, you've been on the podcast because the last one from Bombay Beach. But a proper conversation we haven't had yet. And yeah. I've been waiting for the moment. Mm-hmm. Because I think that... Um, our relationship has been uh, a really unusual like kind of journey for me. And uh, usually I have uh, like fallen in love very quickly Mm -hmm. and it's been like kind of an immediate and, and this kind of metaphor of falling is interesting because you just kind of finally, you stumble into something and um, our journey has been like a slow, very careful deliberate walk into love I think
1: <laughs> it's like the most unsexy thing I've ever heard
0: <laughs> no it's not at all wait let me I'm finish kidding, what I thought kidding, I'm kidding. because we'll there's there, there's because there's there's usually um this kind of lack of of any sort of agency or awareness of what's happening mm-hmm. and for me, like, um, and then, and but there's this idea of like going deep into something, right? Mm-hmm. When you say you fall into something, right? Yeah. Whereas I feel like we, over two years, have like slowly kind of gone into this even deeper place, mm-hmm. and it's been the most magnificent journey. Partly because I think there's like a aspect of your personality and your being, which I kind of want to uncover in this conversation a little bit. Of this kind of layered nature of Dulcinea and that you know what what the Dulcinea that is first presented to people is only one layer and you know there's this idea of an onion that you keep peeling away layer after layer but then I think that metaphor goes to like, that there's nothing in the end. Mm. <laughs> Whereas I find that with mm. you, I'm peeling away layer after layer and finding all this like s- amazing substance. Mm. And now we found ourselves in a place of like, not only being friends and lovers and creative collaborators and kind of life project collaborators with Bombay Beach, because mm-hmm. I think of Bombay Beach as a kind of, also kind of accidentally life-defining project Mm -hmm. and um, so the reason I've been like I've waited to have you on the podcast is I've kind of like I feel like we've spent the last two years kind of finding a plateau of sorts in this deep place of
1: what do you uh, mean plateau
0: in the sense of like we're still we're still on a journey but i feel Mm -hmm. like we finally kind of have settled into this complex dynamic Mm. that incorporates all of these things Mm. like i said like it's a it's it's work and play and Mm -hmm. and and mutual like um admiration and respect Mm -hmm. and also kind of desire to i think like Improve in every way that we, I don't know, I just feel like we bring out really good things in each other. Yeah. At least I know you do in me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, anyway, all by way of introduction, this is dulcine <laughs> <laughs> hello.
1: Say hello. <laughs> hello, hello, walking into love. Um,
0: yeah. I think, I can't, I don't think it's unsexy. No, I
1: don't mind. think it's unsexy. I think On it's, um, I think it's, I think it's like a very mature way to enter into love. Bring the mic closer to your mouth. Really? Yes.
0: like Bring it towards you like that. Yeah. Okay. But like that? Can, like people <laughs> can feel like you're whispering into their ear. I know. I nice. do
1: feel like you're whispering into my yeah, ear. It's yeah. Much, it's much. nice. It's nice. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's a good... I think um, when we fall into love too quickly, it usually doesn't end well. Which isn't to say that's always true, but I think that you don't really know someone when you first meet them. And so when you walk into love, you have the opportunity to actually know who they are. Or at least scratch the surface.
0: Maybe swimming is sexier. (laughs) Or like dive like 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 kind of waltzing (laughs) or something. I think
1: you're right that falling implies a lack of control, yeah. And like a lack of awareness, um, like you've tripped over the edge and you're falling. Yeah. Whereas uh, cascading, I don't know.
0: <laughs> but I kind of want to talk about, because, okay, so for those of you who don't know about Dulcinea, um, you're <laughs> a, a very um, ambitious, hardworking working determined um kind of you have we share a kind of love of many things Mm -hmm. um but you've managed to somehow like dive into many things and not be superficial in any of them because of your Mm. incredible work ethic Mm. which i admire and and envy slightly (laughs) (laughs) But you have you have this kind of, uh, you know, incredible drive. What do you think that comes from and what are you driving towards?
1: Mm, I mean, I think it comes from a deep sort of manic desire to feel like I have done something before I die. It's like a little bit morbid in that sense. I like want to leave something behind that isn't just children, um, whether it's a a film or um, a book or something. I don't know. I just want something to uh, to keep the world company when I've when I've passed. And so and it feels like a really hard thing to actually accomplish is to leave a mark. And so I don't know exactly what medium that's going to be. Obviously, film has been my focus, but um, as
0: as a as a director and an editor and a writer, Mm -hmm. um, your work ostensibly as as an editor, Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. You made this reference of like not just children, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this really interesting. I mean, I want to go deep into this, Mm -hmm. like gender, feminism, Mm -hmm. you know, in it, it, it like film has been such a like male dominated medium. yeah a- except for editing right like editing That's has true. since the beginning has been a, 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 like it's been the the door has been open to mm-hmm. women and it's it's kind of points to the 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 backwardness of it because yeah. Um, editing is like the most important and the most uh, underappreciated of Absolutely. all the art forms. And then there's Absolutely. this kind of primordial idea of like the man going out and shooting literally, mm-hmm. and then bringing back <laughs> the the stuff for the woman the to cook.
1: To it. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah and the women are like hidden away and working there slaving away
0: and and not given any credit like most people walking down the street don't know what the editor does
1: 100 percent, yeah it's where the movie's made exactly like and i think a lot of editors uh do the work for bad directors um and will like sort of step into that leadership role but never get the credit um, which is why I think editors tend to make good directors But yeah, oh. it has been a very gendered role I think in part because it is behind the scenes and there isn't a lot of understanding. I mean, it's, unless you've sat in an edit um, for a period of time y- You can't possibly understand what ha- actually happens um, And how the story is made in that in that point
0: And what how did you get into editing?
1: i studied film in undergrad and i was in a class and i had to make a film with my friend and it was like the first time i ever tried to make a movie and she like left we had like a dramatic i don't remember the details but she left and i uh needed to finish the film for our final and um I just did it and I grabbed a lot of my favorite songs and wound up making more of a music video than a, than a film but I found I really liked it um, and, I, and I'm like a pretty big computer nerd. That's something people don't know about me but I grew up playing computer games and I've always been, I say that one of my skills is have an immense ability to just sit at a computer for a very long period of time without moving. Like people will walk by me and be like, you're still here. Um, and so that translates into um, being able to really sit and watch the same thing over and over again until it clicks and and sometimes it's better than sex. <laughs> like when you find the rhythm and you find the flow of an edit, it's like, it's so pleasing.
0: Yeah. I mean, all work, creative work specifically. I think this kind of f- flow and communion mm-hmm. with your medium and with the world and, and the, the feeling of making something, it is the a yeah. the peak kind of
1: human experience, I think. Yeah, and in astrology, uh, dare, I, dare I bring it into the conversation? In astrology, uh, creative... Creative work, creativity, and sex are in the same house. Uh, So I I do think it's, um, there's a similar expression there. But I will say I don't think in film flow is uh, found very often. Like I think maybe on sets of a certain scale. But with music, we associate music with flow, right? Like it's really easy to find that. Sort of ethereal, divine state with film, like in production. I've never experienced flow. I think because maybe I'm just at a scale where everything is chaos all the time. Mm-hmm. And of course, you experience moments where like the take is really good or the camera was perfect. But um, in the edit, especially if I'm alone and I don't have someone looking over my shoulder, which is actually how I prefer to edit, um, I can find a a flow and a rhythm that I think is quite akin to improvisation with music like what you do on the piano um and so that's been a really important part of my process
0: and hmm, astrology
1: (laughs) we don't have to get into it no no i hates astrology i'm looking right at the camera i don't hate astrology but he's getting more into it
0: (laughs) no look you have to admit there is definitely okay look i'm 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 a romantic (laughs) i'm a are you a, a dreamer i'm a i'm a kind of you know i, I embrace contradiction and surrealism what and like mean? i'm not a rash i'm not like but there i do have this kind of like rationalist in, in the most basic sense of like causation right mm-hmm. and you know we know that there were times when we didn't understand causes and effects and uh, what we what you know we didn't know much about the physical universe mm-hmm. or, you know the laws of physics the uh, the kind of ways that kind of things can ha- and cannot have effect mm-hmm. on each other and nor did we know anything about what was going on in the heavens mm-hmm. like so we would name constellations for what they look like to us which of course now with telescopes and stuff we know that the stars are they're not even in the same place if they look to us like a a a scorpion or this Mm -hmm. or that they don't really have any relationship beyond a very superficial one of and like they kind of the astrological understanding is rooted in a total misunderstanding of what's going on in the world physically so i'm i am curious about these archetypes and these stories and I, i i do find that there's my father was very into astrology he was also very superstitious and there was just like there was a lot of kind of um irrational kind of uh, interpretation of mm-hmm. events and yet you know there is truth there's truth in mythological tales there's truth in explanations of like you know let's say religious kind of stories that are deep because they kind of contain something about our culture and our history and everything like that so i'm open to it in that regard but you have to admit that there's a lot of real like nonsense that's like said around this sure. based in nonsense it 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 it, it perpetuates nonsense it yeah, perpetuates a lack perpetuate
1: of, kind of nonsense like it's that's not- uh astrology is not the only thing that you know, is in danger of perpetuating nonsense. And I think that um, regardless of whether or not the uh, constellations actually look like scorpions and that that's like a sort of um, an observation of an objective truth, uh, I think the reality is it um, it doesn't need to be objective. It doesn't need to be truth to have meaning and to play a force in our lives. And everything is constructed i mean our whole understanding of the world is constructed and astrology is just one expression of that and i think that like whenever i talk about astrology especially with a skeptic i always like say something that i'm like oh but it's all bullshit anyways because it's healthy to have a skepticism and a sort of like I don't believe in anything a hundred percent, including science, right? right? Like we've we live in a time where um, maybe we can say some laws of physics are you know true, but science as an industry as. Uh, the way it's used to um, advance certain perspectives and advance certain ideologies is absolutely not rational. And anyone who says that it is, is wrong and naive and stupid. Um, and that's post-modern, That's what postmodernism gave us, right? Is that legitimacy is like uh, a thing constructed by institutions to uphold their power. Yeah. And so, you know, we can talk about astrology being bullshit, but we can also talk about, you know, everything else being bullshit too right
0: right and so do you think that there's stories that we tell that are useful um is that how you would like look at it in a way that's when on the other side the obverse of the bullshit side where's um, the where's the truth come from
1: where what truth
0: the truth that does exist in these astrological kind of like like archetypes or is it founded in 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 stories? Is it founded in actual kind of d- dynamics between us and the stars, or like? I
1: mean, I think like I, I I think there's a lot of mystery in the world. Uh, I don't, or rather, that's like a narrative I've told myself to make the world a little bit more interesting. One of my favorite quotes is, "What is it about reality that is so overbearing?" And I find like a rational explanation of reality quite boring. And so I like to sort of buy into the fact that there's mystery and that we don't know everything about the universe because we don't. And many scientists would agree with me, right? Like theoretical physicists will say, yeah, we don't know shit. And the things that we think we know now in a hundred years might be refuted. And so we live on very unstable ground. And so I choose to believe that there's a lot of mystery and that things like intuition are real. Um, you can't define, you know, what the laws of physics are behind intuition, but we all know that intuition to a certain degree is something we experience. And so, you know,
0: so is astrology like an intuition held by the culture at large or maybe
1: that's a cool way of saying it. I mean, I do think it speaks to the, the cultural subconscious. Yeah. Um, I like that. That's my
0: favorite explanation. Yeah. That's the, that's the only one I can get behind that I've heard.
1: And I think it's a tool, it's a tool to communicate. Like, um, it's a tool. It's not a truth. It's not a religion, though some people do treat it as a religion. But I think that... one of the best explanations for tarot is that it's a tool to talk to yourself. Right, And so, you know, you have therapy, which is basically a form of talking to yourself. Um, and maybe if you can't afford therapy or you want to be a little bit more mysterious about it, you can use tarot, which is not like, oh, I mean, maybe some people are like, the universe is giving me this message right now. and This is like direct from the source. Or you can sort of understand that these are just mechanisms and tools to maybe add a little joy and add a little mystery to your life while also being self-reflective
0: yeah i guess i i i i get off the boat when it's like the opposite of embracing mystery that it pretends to explain things that mm-hmm. don't have an explanation right and it's like looking for patterns that maybe aren't there and it mm-hmm. just feels like it's just like a a, a superficial kind of yeah, the opposite of mystery. It's like mm-hmm. saying, "I know this. It's because of this." You yeah. know, and it's like, no, you don't. It's like yeah. that's that's silly. Like to say, like, oh, it's this is because you're a Scorpio or something. It's just like, <laughs> again, I, don't know. I
1: think it's like. I think that the resurgence of astrology and these sort of like mystical new age tools over the last, I don't know, like five to 10 years, at least that's like when it's come into my world in terms of my friend group <laughs> and being really present online and on social media. Like I think it's important to remember that people need meaning and they need uh, faith. And we live in a time where organized religion is not something that many young people are part of. And so I, I'll speak specifically to young people that like I've watched so many people grasp onto these tools and techniques because it gives them meaning in a, in a world that feels like it's crumbling. Mm-hmm. And like you can't, it's like you can tell them and they're being irrational, but why are you taking away something that's making them feel better? that's really what I, it comes down to to me. It's like, are you gonna scream at a child that their make-believe games aren't true? Why, that's just rude. <laughs> like, why don't you take a step back and maybe it doesn't, I'm not talking about you specifically, but when people are really get like incensed about like, you know, pointing out that astrology is stupid and fake, I'm like, take a step back um, and just understand that maybe this person needs this to feel okay to feel hope to feel faith to feel like they understand the world and maybe you don't need it but you don't need to take it away from them and that to me is a more evolved understanding of why people are grasping onto these tools that might seem irrational but that i think uh
0: i mean that that's the the same can be said about religion absolutely
1: but but astrology is not like um the catholic church you know, there's no, like, organized, like, uh, system right. of exploitation right. with astrology. Like, you have right. people online tweeting things, you know? Um, nobody is exploiting. To my knowledge, there's no underground network of, like, evil astrologers. Uh, pedophile stealing. astrologers. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> like, maybe I am just haven't done my research. But, I mean, tarot. <laughs> tarot is just, it's like playing cards, right? Like, again, there's no... Uh, no, like a lord of the tarot who's saying right. you must do this and you can't do that and you must confess your sins to me like I think that you're right that religion does serve that purpose um, but it's these tools we're talking about are largely deinstitutionalized um, and, and, and accessible to anyone you can just you know go online and learn about it buy a book start doing tarot you can do it for I don't know, 40 bucks <laughs>
0: <laughs> i should get a tarot sponsor
1: <laughs> gross <laughs> i mean most people are using the same deck i mean people make their own decks but the same deck that was made i don't know in the early 1900s um the rider with tech i mean it's incredible okay enough of that let's, yeah let's, talk let's about move other on things.
0: what do you want to talk about
1: um <laughs>
0: what's been on your mind
1: what's been on my mind yes well let's see um i guess it's funny that you mentioned at the beginning and since we're doing no uh we're not holding back you mentioned at the beginning it's been a long time in the making of me coming on the podcast and i sort of giggled at that it's um from my perspective it's been a long time in the making for you to realize that i am perhaps worthy to be on your podcast and so i'd love to hear you talk about that journey and why you think uh now (laughs) and not in the past two years that you've known me um why now why uh extend this invitation
0: oh my god okay this is like <laughs> a not not so thinly veiled um, um you're basically saying i've been too dense to realize your brilliance for two no. years and that's why it's taken me so long to like both fall in love and realize that you're worthy of being on the podcast that's not the case to be honest, it's like okay, it's the opposite.
1: You're paraphrasing, but <laughs> but I, I hear you. <laughs> wow, well, let's get into it. I like it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I'm. I'm so I think I'm actually more uh, patient than you, which is something I can't mm-hmm. say about many people. Uh, because I'm not a very patient person. But with you, I have taken this patient role.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, That's true.
0: And I think that, because I, I haven't been in any hurry with you, I've had a deep sense mm. that our journey was going to be long. Mm. And so, um, and it was kind of an intuition more than a, mm. based in any sort of knowledge of the future, mm. uh, which I don't have. The same what nobody else has. But I had a sense when we met and this is, goes to what we were talking about earlier that there's no hurry mm-hmm. and, and that i I'm just going to kind of let things unfold in a very organic way. And this took the form of, you know, both of us being in relationships when we met. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're getting, you know, we can get into polyamory and openness and all of this, which I think is like, obviously something that, again, I found, I find that it's, uh, we could have like just recklessly done things in a way that would not have laid the foundation that we have. Mm-hmm. And we could have had a superficial conversation when we met about mm-hmm. a lot of things that I don't think we understood yet about each other and about the way we relate to each other. Mm-hmm. And again, I think I, I we're still early in the journey, I think. Yeah, I think that there's years to, and we're going to look back on this one day and say like oh look how uh, (laughs) young and naive we were um and 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 yet i i knew we were gonna have this conversation Mm. i've known it for years and i just you weren't privy to my uh inner workings both emotionally and uh in in terms of all of the journeys we've been on and again Mm -hmm. like i think we can like talk about each of these things individually but like the way that we're navigating um, mixing in a way that if you don't do it carefully can wreak a lot of havoc in both Mm -hmm. our own and other people's lives Mm -hmm. mixing uh, you know polyamory and um, kink and um, work and uh, creativity Mm -hmm. and friendship with each other and with other people and uh, kind of uh, also kind of, I think a nascent political awareness Mm -hmm. that you, we both have spent our lives thinking about and then like the opportunity to implement some of these like ideas in something real and, and delicate and, Mm. and uh, you know, deeply uh, complicated project like Bombay beach. So, I think that to like, we, obviously we're, this is just like the first time we're documenting a conversation. We're having a conversation for the last two years about all these things. But I do think it's taken until now not to like recognize that your you're worthiness, like mm-hmm. that's not what's happened. What's happened is like, again, it's been a slow, deliberate walk deeper into mm-hmm. uh, each of these like, facets of our the way we relate to each other into the world and I think the conversation now is more interesting and and has more possibility of going deeper and 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 um, and I think it lays the foundation to have many more and to interview people together and like to like do all Make of these things end. so that's my answer I rest my case I
1: think it's a good answer <laughs> I think it's a good answer um, I think perhaps. Well, I mean, you saying I I didn't have access to the inner workings of your mind or your understanding of a sort of trajectory that you implicitly understood, Um, I think that's interesting. That's an interesting, honest self-reflection because it did take a long time, I think, for me to feel like I had access to you, emotionally speaking. Um, and I wonder like, what, why do you think that, that is or was like, do you, it's
0: interesting someone that we know recently said to me that they don't understand what is going on emotionally with me and it's made it difficult for them to like, um, know and trust me, I guess. Mm Um, and it's interesting because on one hand i'm very uh i wear my heart on my sleeve in some ways like even in having conversations like this you mm-hmm. know in this strangely public way mm-hmm. or making films that have gone mm-hmm. deep into my personal issues or used personal issues to explore difficult uh you know the th- things that i've been made to go through whether it's like you know very hardcore d- drug addiction in my family or you know uh the uh you know using kind of like my experience of divorce and the heartbreak to like spend four years exploring uh monogamy you know the, what became mm-hmm. the film from monogamish like That movie took like five years to make because it took me that long to dive deep enough to make something that was deeply vulnerable and meaningful, which I think in the end it became and people have like, but for the first many iterations, it was easy to fall back on a kind of uh intellectual approach let's say mm-hmm. of like oh let's look at the history of marriage and let's look at the legal implications and the philosophical and and everyone and i remember my mother would say that like tao you can't make a film about relationships and have it be so cold mm-hmm. right and again i'm gonna guess i'm gonna make the same explanation as i did about us that i think that to explore deep takes time it doesn't like it's 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 literally not possible to just have one conversation and say, this is how I feel like I don't it's, it's, it's much more, uh, it's just, it takes years to like open up maybe, and maybe is a fault of mine. Maybe it's like, maybe I have too many barriers, but I don't, I think it's, I think it's literally too. And then you've taught me about meditation, which I want to talk about also. Um, Yeah, as in a quick aside, uh, I was trying to get Dulcinea to quit smoking out of care for her health. Um,
1: (laughs) Also, like, because it's hard for you to not smoke if someone around you is smoking.
0: This is true, too. So care for my own health, too. Care for health, let's say. (laughs) So I tried various things like rational argument. Uh, and, and
1: bribery bribery which didn't work
0: none of these things worked and then one day dulcine called me and says like i figured out what you can do to make me quit smoking and i was like oh my god what and she said train in transcendental meditation and like start practicing it now if you know me there is nothing that sounded more daunting or difficult in the world than sitting for 20 minutes still twice a day like literally you could tell me like i want you to run 10 miles as fast as you can every day and that would have seemed easier to me like um i have such a kind of agitated mind that that thought was like i thought this is so much harder than quitting smoking (laughs) but i want to do it I want to do it i want to do it because i a i want to really want you to quit smoking and b i really want to see if i can do this and usually if i'm forced to do something it's actually good like i've always worked well with deadlines and structures like school i was a good student and was able to always do all my homework because when i have something that i have to do i'll do it you know whereas if i don't my natural state is to kind of be a little you know unstructured and lazy so so I was like very grateful for this uh, for this uh, challenge. And, um, the, and I'm trying to remember why we got into this, something about sitting well, still. Go ahead.
1: I just don't wanna actually close out what you were saying before you started talking about meditation. Yeah. Because in a way it feels like a bit of a deflection.
0: What, talking about meditation? Yeah. Okay, so what were we talking about?
1: We were talking about, like, vulnerability and, like, um, the sharing of your internal life. And you said, like, maybe it's a fault of mine. And I don't think it's a fault. And I don't think that... um, I'm just curious about your own... uh, your own reflections on um whether or not you are aware of when you're letting someone into your internal life and how often that happens because I think there's a difference between um sharing like making raw work making work that um is connected to something that is vulnerable and emotional but in a sense that when you do it in a an artwork there is um like a a distance between you and the thing, which is almost like a safety barrier, versus like just being vulnerable with someone and letting them into the into your internal life or letting them have access to what you're thinking about, really what you're thinking about, not um not a performance of, of yeah something else. Um,
0: but that's why I brought up the meditation. Is I do think that you've helped me on this. Like I think that that's been a necessary part of my journey
1: the meditation
0: yeah and a kind of like sitting for a moment and just allowing myself to think and feel whatever it is I'm thinking and feeling Mm. I do have this kind of like tendency to be hyperactive and that is probably a form of like ignoring uh, Mm. things that might be going on so I I I guess what I want to say is, though, like, I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm not letting other people in any more than I'm not letting myself in. Like, I think that I would say.
1: Beautifully said. (laughs) Oh, God. Beautifully said.
0: So as I discover things, I'm, I'm.
1: That feels very true.
0: People are are welcome. At least, you know, not everyone, obviously. Like, I do think that there's a certain, like, uh, dignity to. having you know just like
1: and boundaries some and yeah. boundaries there's yeah. dignity
0: and boundaries and I'm, I'm all for pushing boundaries like mm-hmm. my whole life is based on pushing boundaries but pushing them in a in a deliberate way and in it and in a way that's thoughtful and mm. and and sensitive hopefully and not just like like let's yeah. just like uh, unload everything on everyone yeah you know, let's push the boundaries in a way that we're like carefully repositioning them yeah. in a way that's progressive,
1: mm-hmm.
0: deeply progressive, let's say. Um,
1: I do think you're very thoughtful in those engagements and those explorations, more but, so than other people.
0: But yeah, no, I mean, I think that, that, that if if um, if anything like the last few weeks has even taught me is like, you know, the acknowledgement of our feelings and of our insecurities and our uh, doubts and our primitive kind of how do we face uh, our more primitive instincts mm-hmm. in a way that's constructive. And that's why, like, you know, we, we hinted at the kind of, like, uh, gender issues of like I'm, I'm, I'm very I've got, I kind of want to like dive into the, the idea of like the way we've kind of reinterpreted these mm-hmm. like masculine and feminine roles in a way that both is like ritualized and acknowledging of their contingencies and absurdities yeah. um, through through uh, kink. hmm So <laughs> she smiles and rubs my leg with her. <laughs> That's something that obviously I've been wanting to talk about. Yeah. In this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to mm-hmm. open the door? Kick us off.
1: <laughs> um Yeah. Let's see. Where to begin? Um I mean My experience with kink is uh, largely, entirely, thanks to you. You sort of invited me into this world in an an explicit way. Um, And so in that sense, I feel quite new to it. It's not like I've been swimming in these murky waters for a very long time. Um, But, you know, I think my... I'm friends with so many people who are gender fluid and non-binary and trans um, and have been since I was in college. And so I've always been in a very like queer, gender-bendy friend group. Um, And and yet, despite that proximity, I've always been this um, almost like hyper feminine um, person, a woman who sort of enjoys uh, the traditional markers of femininity. Um, whether that's cooking or taking care of the home or wearing heels and very feminine clothing, like that is undeniably part of my, part of me and has been, um, ever since I can remember. And so it's always been this weird, uh, I've never gotten to investigate that so deeply. Um, as through my kink relationship with you which is very gendered um and that's almost kind of like the point um is that it's playing on these gender roles in a traditional sense but because you're opting into it and you're very specific about the ways that you engage with it it feels uh like you have more agency Mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of, It also feels like an experiment, weirdly. It's like a... It's a game of theater. It's an experiment. It's... Um, it's so many things. <laughs> I, I find... Yeah,
0: I find it's... I, I love the way it... confronts you with... these contradictions mm-hmm. in your... in your ideals and in your desires. Yeah. And so... I'm f- lucky that I am attracted to very powerful mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. right like I have zero interest in being with a submissive woman mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. right like yeah. I have like I'm I definitely am th- grateful to my mother for being like, super independent yeah. and adventurous and Badass. bold and like you know left home when she was 15 to go travel around and lived in a cave and with a monkey in morocco for a month when her boyfriend was arrested in fez and she had to as a 16 year old girl was like going to the prison every day and bringing him pies and <laughs> then
1: Epic.
0: moving to italy and like you know starting this whole life with like i mean it's just countless adventures and kind of always showed me the way of like questioning authority questioning hierarchies um and it and and i think freud you know for all of his problems had some uh deeply true insights mm-hmm that you know we're attracted to this example that was kind of set for us in a way right and um and so i've just always been attracted to very kind of bold assertive ambitious intelligent just badass women Mm -hmm. right and um and you know there's the cliche of the uh of the 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 ceo Mm -hmm who's kind of an asshole or just Mm -hmm. deeply is an asshole and then he wants to be like degraded and ashamed and like you know dominated in the bedroom Mm -hmm. and like in the outer world he's he's just like a a, a psychopath and then Mm -hmm. he'd like has this and i've like thought often half jokingly that i'm the opposite of that like i'm actually a very soft and kind and compassionate person yeah and I love I'm attracted to people who are super like independent and and assertive and don't fit in any of these like Mm -hmm. traditionally gendered roles and yet when we enter the bedroom (laughs) this reversal happens and I don't know if it's it's a beautiful kind of sublimation of these like primitive instincts that then get to like take shape in this ritualized Mm -hmm. conscious um you know Embodied. Almost embodied and and kind of ironic, but yeah. also really not ironic at all, mm-hmm. and and playful and yet not playful at mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. and 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 we get to kind of explore these nether regions of our kind of, like you said, like very traditionally gendered like yeah. uh, dynamics. And 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 unlike, you know, the opposite of the CEO, who's got a bunch of people, uh, you know, working for him and is dominant in real life. I find myself completely not in control in real life. I find myself like life is kind of this amazing kind of wild thing that happens to me. <laughs> and then like, I, I find that like, it's strangely like, thrilling not yeah. strangely it's just, it is thrilling yeah. to kind of like make this ritual container in which like you know you dominate and control mm-hmm. this person that spirit that is so obviously indomitable yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that i love for that very yeah. reason you know yeah. so yeah. i guess that's that's i mean again just thinking out loud but um what do you think <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's been it's been so um, cathartic, I think, for it it feels like some form of embodied uh, therapy or it's like it has elements of of therapy where um, I think you're able to kind of zoom out and look at yourself and the inner workings of your mind and your consciousness and and the way that society has conditioned us. Um, You're able to kind of zoom out and see those mechanisms and start to tinker with them um, by enacting them consciously. Because, you know, when you're like a teenager, like a teenage girl, um, you're not consciously acting out gendered Roles like Mm -hmm. me putting on makeup when I was very young or you know Going to prom and dressing in this very traditional way like that. None of that was conscious. I was following a script um, a social script That was not my own and that I didn't really consent to other than just being born Um, And like growing up, you know in the world Um, but that this arena the kink space and, and the DS space specifically or at least the way that we're engaging with it is this like hyper aware hyper intentional um putting on of this role that is both enjoyable because i enjoy it Mm -hmm. right like there's when i say i like to cook and i like to wear heels and whatever i don't feel that that is like being forced upon me right um I really enjoy wearing heels. Like you'll never see me not in heels. That's like a part of who I am, and I do gain genuine satisfaction from that. Um, so I'm enjoying the role genuinely, and then, and then I'm also able to have this sort of—it's um, almost like a—it's like an exorcism or something. Like it's—it's it's able to um, play out the thing that i didn't consent to but consenting to that playing out of it which feels really cathartic yeah um like i just it's like a wash and i feel every engagement in the kink space with you is not just like oh you know that was fun great sex whatever that um there's there's growth and there's self-reflection and like i'm learning about myself some of it's a little scary but um but i'm able to see it right i'm able to talk about it like maybe i'm talking to myself in my journal but like i'm able to put words uh to things that i've never really had the opportunity to um to think about in this Mm -hmm. way and and so
0: i mean so so let's talk let's let's take a step out a second because like i consider myself you know, a feminist through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this is only interesting on the backdrop of of, of, of that. Um, again, I'd have no interest in, like, exploring these roles if we were living in a uh, more, you know, a, a, a more boundary-defined culture in which mm-hmm. that was, like, already there. Right. You know? Like, I would have... I'm sure if if we were in like a, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's there's I countless hear, examples of like like there, and we still have so long to go. So my question right. is, what we still does live it, under patriarchy, of course. <laughs> so what is feminism to you? Oh God. <laughs> what and and how does both polyamory and kink? fit into that kind of philosophical and political worldview for you and this is a a, a place that I want to learn yeah you know one of the things that I love about our relationship is like I feel like we're constantly learning from each other and and to kind of um, just you know ask you straight up like Mm -hmm. what what is what are the your kind of political goals and the broader scale (laughs) and
1: with king
0: no 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 what um, like what is your what is kind of if you could just kind of just riff for a little while about what one's responsibilities both as a man and a mm. woman who are like allies of feminism right in the outside world as activists and then how does this that we're talking about in the personal relate. level relate to that you know I know it's a huge question yeah, but really it's just like I'm just opening a
1: massive astronomical uh, <laughs> questions but but I think they're great um, um what is uh, I mean, I am a feminist. Um, I.
0: What does it mean? Is there, is there a succinct definition of feminism that you can like?
1: I'll say that I'll define myself as a Marxist before I de- define myself as a feminist. And that's like an important distinction to me. Um, I think that, you know, some strains of feminism and in, in the times that we live in Um, are a little performative um, and don't, it's like I'm nervous saying this in a public arena, but I'll commit to it. Um, It's interesting. uh, You haven't
0: been nervous already. And this makes you more nervous.
1: Well, just because I haven't, I do uh, something that my friends who are very political um, and very specific in the way that they use language when talking about um, what, Some might deem to be sensitive topics is that um, I want to be specific about the language that I'm using Mm -hmm. to uh, answer a question like, what does feminism mean to you? Um, Especially if my answer is a little bit more nuanced and complicated than just I am a feminist and like, let's fight for the matriarchy. Um, Which, you know, I don't disagree with those statements. I just... um, I define myself as a Marxist first and feminism can be uh, part of that. I mean, it's also like feminism while also being in close proximity to so many gender fluid people and, um, and non-binary people is, uh, I, I'm also trying to always move to a, a non-gendered, um, breaking the binary sort of thing. Yeah. But yes, like the acknowledgement of we still live in another, We still live in patriarchy and under patriarchy um, and the sexes are not equal um, is an important thing to acknowledge. Um, I think for me personally, uh, I feel a responsibility to um, talk to the, you know, cis straight men in my life always um, and to the best of my ability, point out the the times, mm, the moments where I think that their identity is clouding their ability to be an ally. Mm. Um, and this is a really delicate and at times um, tense uh, practice um, that I've engaged with with all the men in my life not just the people I'm dating but um my stepdad my godfather my grandpa like it's not just my lovers um and so you know uh that feels like in a very small personal way the the ways in which feminism moves through me um is that like when I when I think uh A man is uh, being a little bit too much of a man uh, I'll try and talk to them about it and I'm not always perfect in that Um, and I think that I'm balancing always anger like I think Mm -hmm. this is a conversation that um, makes a lot of women angry Um, and rightly so rightly so but but men sometimes don't want to receive that anger um And they make it about themselves mm. instead of understanding that there's also just an anger at the world. Like uh, I the amount of misogyny I've experienced in the film industry is just like astronomical. Right. Um, and that makes me angry. And so sometimes if I'm talking to a man about something that doesn't have to do with the misogyny that I've experienced, but somehow it's all conflating and like this person in front of me is becoming a symbol mm-hmm. of all men and I'm fucking pissed <laughs> yeah. and and sometimes I'll rationalize that and be like well this is you need to just take this right now and it upsets me when they, do, when all of a sudden they're being like, "Well, if you would just change your tone, it'd be easier to listen to you." That's respectability politics, right? Like that's saying I need to adjust my tone because it's making you uncomfortable. When like I walk through life being deeply uncomfortable all the time, um, you know, you can even right now it's happening, it's happening. Um, but you know, I I always listen um, and try. I do want to get. I do want to get through to people like my goal a political goal is to make people think differently um, and to sort of wedge myself under the assumptions that they're making um, which of course is all just based on my own worldview which is um, biased uh, but I like my worldview and it's uh, it's constructed like intentionally thank you <laughs> it's it's into, it's been constructed very I'm intentionally. <laughs> Yeah, I think you are too.
0: But yeah, you know, it's it's a process. Totally, um,
1: it's a life. It's a lifelong process, and then just everything's it, a process. Everything's a process. Um, yes, uh, changing the minds of all men everywhere is a process. Um, but just to answer your last question about what is kink and polyamory, how does that fit into it? Um, I think that uh, if more people um knew about the ways in which kink can be embodied therapy and specifically related to gender roles like i if i don't know i'd be curious um how many more people would be interested in it beyond i think there's an understanding that it's just it just means good sex you know or weird sex and it's about pleasure and i think that uh i'm Excited to talk to people about the ways in which it's deeply political and like deeply philosophical um, and can provide a space for catharsis, mm-hmm. um, which I think, you know, people deep in the kink space know, but I think that um, people outside of it and, and specifically women, like, uh, I'd love to, you know, advocate for that. And then for polyamory, I mean, yeah i it's a little bit more obvious i was just gonna say (laughs) yeah clearly yeah
0: no and i i mean i've had i have italian friends who are like so like uh just on board philosophically and politically and yet the deep-seated cultural Mm -hmm. like like expectations and sense of like uh of like ownership and mm-hmm. of control and of uh, make it literally impossible for them to accept the idea of their woman yeah. having multiple lovers, you know. Yeah, totally. And so, like, I gotta change my position because oh. my back hurts. the
1: ah. Do you want a pillow?
0: No, it's okay. I just have to like think if I sit cross-legged like this, I'm better. Okay. But But um, so, to me, like, I love that journey of. Um, and again it's this it's this dance of like control i had a lover once who had the uh the word control <laughs> in a in a like new york times <laughs> font big like six inch letters like wow. along her side and i was like whoa and what's this and she's like well it's it's all about control right. and and our the way we play with control yeah. both of our over our, because we we have these sometimes literally uncontrollable desires Mm -hmm. and impulses Mm -hmm. and instincts and Mm -hmm. and and then we have our our ideas and our ideals and our politics Mm -hmm. and our sensitivities Mm -hmm. and our big picture goals and ways that we shape our our lives and our relationships and to me the the more consciously we can and, and brutally honestly we can like address those impulses and those desires and those turn ons and and then and then try and reconcile them with our uh, with our politics mm-hmm. and our big picture like ambitions with ourselves and the world mm-hmm. the more we face those with a kind of brutal honesty the deeper we can go, and the more, like, yeah, yeah, you keep using this word cathars- catharsis, which I think is right. I think mm-hmm. that we can, like, kind of push through through acknowledge, and 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 therapy is a great uh, um, analog here because mm-hmm. the whole idea of therapy is to like uncover something, yeah. and by virtue of that uncovering, you're helping mm-hmm. to heal it, right? Exactly. That's that's the big presupposition of mm-hmm. therapy, right? Mm-hmm and i do think that this is literally that yeah right and in the polyamory space like there's this these large larger ideals of saying we should be free we should be uh you know women should be able to act out the fact that they have as many as much desire for mm-hmm. variety, as much mm-hmm. desire to for newness, mm-hmm. as much desire to express mm-hmm. uh, even the most superficial sexual impulses, that there's no shame in that. You know like this we are breaking out of these like millennia of shaming women yeah. for their for any sort of expression of desire yeah. and you know like there was a historian of sex and the law that i interviewed for monogamish and he said you know there was like the entire history of like the law and sex has been based on men's desire mm-hmm. to like control women's sexuality yeah. and it was done for centuries by saying women are completely out of control sexual creatures and uh, and so they need to be they need to be like boxed in Mm -hmm. for that reason. And then there was a switch in like Victorian times to say that actually women don't have sexual desires and if they do, there's something wrong with them. (gasps) But in both these situations, it's like a fear that men have of this beautiful, amazing, like powerful force that, Mm -hmm. that and they've tried to put it in a box in a way or we let's say mm-hmm. not they have tried to kind of put it in this box very unsuccessfully right yeah, and yeah. the neuroses that come out on both sides at the end of that are just horrible and like have, ripple out into yeah. like institutions and and paul poly- and 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 power dynamics and, and, and all of these things and, yeah. yeah absolutely so yeah. i my i guess my hope is that we can kind of explore these things in a way that's super communicated super uh consensual mm-hmm. super full of agency mm-hmm. and 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 deep conversation yeah and this is part of that obviously yeah and and then somehow and also then somehow that th- you get the reward which is this like amazing deep enjoyment
1: well it's <laughs> right? it's pleasure it's intimacy it's um self-reflection it's like so much more than just like a good fuck right you know which i think is important to say aloud yeah um and, and maybe it's just is coming from my like my understanding of kink a few years ago was like not very nuanced you know i was like oh people like to like do these things um more
0: performative maybe
1: yeah performative and do you want to talk about like...
0: performativity in general because that's an sure, issue that women yeah. have to kind of face all the time and yeah. that lovers uh, we're, we're constantly uh mm-hmm. kind of negotiating this What we're actually feeling with what we're like portraying that we're feeling. Yeah. So, how does that play out for you sexually?
1: Hmm. I mean, yeah. That, I mean, I think most of the sex in my life has been performative. Hold on. Um, Oh.
0: The screen went off. I want to make sure it's still recorded Uh oh.
1: Okay.
0: Hold that thought.
1: I'll hold it. Did your computer die? No. Interlude. Oh, uh, do, 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 do. Okay.
0: I want to release it uncut.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> we'll That's what she said
0: um okay most of the sex you've had in your life has been performative you said
1: most of the sex in my life has been performative yeah, um which is true of most women i think true of and might be true of men too i yeah. don't know i just like it's easier for a guy to come so you know there might be a like a lack of um acknowledgement that you know, the sex even for the man is performative too. Um, But, you know, when you spend a majority of your life faking orgasms, you think more about why the sex you're having is bad. Um, And, I mean, it's still, it's interesting to think about kink because kink is, in a way, performative um it's It's, it's just like you're again it comes back to like this intentionality behind it that like you uh, you are able to willingly and knowingly be like I'm gonna put this role on right now Mm -hmm. um and I think that our our dynamic is less theatrical than I think most kink um like I think you know Kink is often like the scene has begun, blah. Right. Um, whereas for us, it's like much more fluid and and seeps into our relationship uh, in a way that I find really interesting. Because I don't uh, the sort of like the kink like in a box over there isn't as interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I think that the the blurring of of our relationship and our and our kink dynamic makes it really exciting and really wonderful um but yeah I guess like I just I'm happy to be maybe it's like I my partner is um we're both stepping into something together uh a performance that is um both really primal and very organic and also knowingly performative and that because we're doing that together with a deep awareness of um the contours of the game that we're playing that that makes it uh like for me feel like revolutionary i'm just like whoa like the That sex can be like this and not this um, this thing where I'm performing, but I'm not saying that I'm performing because part of the performance is pretending like it's not a performance versus the acknowledgement that it's a performance and the sort of freedom and agency that comes with that acknowledgement.
0: Now, what do you think about we've talked about it as a counterpoint to these political ideals? Mm -hmm. Um, what about what do you think it do you if anything what does it say about those primitive instincts that give rise to these desires do you think they're they're uh, like built in so to speak um that they're innate or are they just like fully culturally are we are we are we addressing things that feel like deep instincts but are actually just social constructs or do you think there's some like uh innate primordial like drives that we're addressing or that we're witnessing let's say Mm -hmm. and participating in
1: i think it i think we'll never know and it most certainly has to be a combination of both i mean i don't think it's um surprising that you know i lost my dad at a very young age um and, you know, daddy, everyone has daddy issues, regardless of whether they're, yeah. you know, dad's including passed away boys. it. Right, including, and that was actually one of the first things you and I talked about in the pool the day that we met, um, was daddy issues. Because you just recorded a podcast about daddy issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember us sort of like bonding about our shared daddy issue, mm-hmm. uh, issues. Um and that's maybe like a topic for a whole other conversation. No, no, no. T- keep going. Or today, um, <laughs> but um, let's leave no stone unturned. <laughs> I just like I think that um, I think that most certainly the things, the literal things that happen to us in childhood, mm-hmm. um, we are just always working through for the rest of our lives you right that life adulthood is um trying to take care of that child who mm-hmm. who is traumatized and um not only traumatized in a personal familial way but also by society like i uh there are so many moments i can recall um sort of iconic moments of my youth where Uh, my gender was like you know um, what's branded into me you know by society Um, these sort of moments of like hyper uh, sexualization Um, very specifically in high school um, I went to a a boarding school that just at the time was I mean maybe it's still like this uh, but just such a gendered space like um, and just so, so those things were also that's trauma that's social societal trauma and then there's like the literal trauma the personal trauma of like losing my dad at a young age um and so where does the innate nature of like i don't know who when i was born was i pristine you know tabula rasa and then all of this trauma happened to me and now i'm kinky like i don't know (laughs) i think that i tend to think that humans are you know fucked up creatures but we are born into a fucked up world and so yeah. i don't i can't say i don't know i don't know if we're born out of the womb pristine or if we just get you know conditioned but it, it doesn't matter what matters is the acknowledgement that we have these neuroses these pathologies inside of us and maybe kink isn't the way for everyone to explore that, but also maybe therapy isn't the way that everyone needs to explore it. Like I've had terrible experiences with talk therapy and some people are like, oh, you just haven't found the right therapist. I'm like, yeah, maybe. Um, maybe right now I'm just using a different tool to investigate the inner workings of my mind.
0: It's funny, we haven't talked about this, but I'm very much on the same page Yeah. about that.
1: About talk therapy? Yeah. yeah.
0: It's like the same way I feel it's the same skepticism I feel about like sh- people who call themselves shamans now. <laughs> Seriously? No, totally. Uh, I'm just you know. remembering
1: um, our encounter um, <laughs> we with a shaman, shaman recently. Let's not. I don't no, want I'm not going that. <laughs> no. um, Let's just say the
0: world is full of charlatans in every domain. Yeah,
1: and I I mean I I think that you know, I can also have the perspective that everyone should go to therapy, um, because I just think like, you know, we we have a lot going on in our heads, and so any sort of opportunity to unravel that—that that, I mean, this
0: is talk therapy right now.
1: This is talk therapy, totally. And journaling is talk therapy. Yeah. Um, it's maybe more effective than than talk therapy, but I don't want to discount that a lot of people like really need therapy if only for a specific point in their life yeah um
0: i was very i've been to a therapist twice mm -hmm. and i was so lucky because i was really suffering after my divorce and it was Mm -hmm. like trying to figure out and then my my little brother said oh i've got a therapist for you and as soon as i walked in i was like oh my god this is such a blessing like they literally know everything about my childhood already he'd been talking to her for years right so it was like i walked into like a pre-baked fucking like therapy session that had years and years of like like deep analysis already built in and literally in two sessions very Mm -hmm. deep kind of painful acknowledgement of like just certain patterns that i was just i mean it's so obvious after the fact but i was just so you know like and you've pointed out my kind of like ability to kind of maybe float past some of these mm-hmm. deeper more difficult feelings mm-hmm. um but like she was able to kind of just like like rip off the band-aid and say like this is what's happening yeah, yeah. and you know and i was like oh shit yeah. <laughs> of course which no. a good
1: friend can do too yeah, you yeah, know and yeah. and a, and a- uh, I think that therapy is good for people that um, maybe n- are in need of more bandwidth um, because the the danger with friends is that you sort of become, like, they become emotional dumping grounds for you. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, I really, my best friend is, is in therapy um, and it's sort of a new addition to their life. And I... Um, I've been reflecting in the last few weeks specifically um, that while they're over there in talk therapy learning and uncovering and, and putting words to things that, um, you know, they've really been repressing for a long time, um, I feel like I'm doing a very similar thing uh, in kink and in my relationship with you but in like a so much more fun way. <laughs> Not to like put them, no, one is neither better than the other, but um, it's just, uh, it's just been funny for me to put those things alongside and be like, I actually think we're doing the same work. Like I'm reflecting on my childhood and reflecting on growing up and um, also because I'm writing about it, right? right. So I, I have this other layer of, of analysis that's going on in the last few months where I am trying to use it as as material for my work and so there's this meta layer of like I'm experiencing it I'm relating it to mm, what's going on inside and then I'm trying to put it to paper which always um you know the work stares back at you in a in a really different way
0: absolutely no and I I, I've always tried to kind of blur the lines between, again in a careful way, but blur the lines between work and play and love and sex and friendship and politics and philosophy mm. and creativity. Mm. And I think that we're, we're doing that in a really complex, fascinating process. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, really enjoying it, <laughs> and it's not it's not easy. Like no. I definitely don't. I mean, I think that you know one thing that we haven't talked about, and I've you know I've talked about polyamory a little bit in this uh, on this podcast, but um, it's different, obviously, it, it, depending on the kind of depth of the relationships that you're in. Mm-hmm. It's very it's it's in a certain way easy when you know if you have a series of kind of lighter more lighthearted commitments mm-hmm. um and and you're engaged more playfully with mm-hmm. with people and there's a beauty to that mm-hmm. and i like being having chapters of my life where i feel more like i'm a solo mm-hmm. uh you know <laughs> agent um going you know kind of very much at the whim of my own like uh desires Mm -hmm. and and perceived like uh directions Mm -hmm. that are necessary at that moment then of course as soon as you go deeper with somebody and you know uh that's happened to me i'm 46 i've probably had five relationships that i consider you know Mm
1: -hmm.
0: partnerships in in the sense that you're like going on a journey with somebody Mm -hmm. and that your decisions aren't only your own anymore Mm -hmm. but they like involve and incorporate another human that you've like decided to go on a on a on a deeper journey with Mm -hmm. so i think that when you when you do polyamory in that with that as the backdrop it presents challenges that obviously aren't there when you uh when you're not and and you know like you're yeah your your insecurities are laid bare and you have to face them and you and you're on the one hand you're more confident because you're like okay this person's here for the long haul right on the other hand it's more raw and more vulnerable yeah. and so more it's at
1: stake. There's more at stake
0: that's exactly what it is
1: well i um Something that I've been thinking about is because we're doing we're doing polyamory and, and kink at the same time, which is not always true, you know? People might think they go hand in hand, but um, we no. know many people in polyamorous relationships that aren't, like, in a sort of developed uh, DS dynamic, for example, um, that... I think it's interesting that that like our our polyamorous relationship is so open. Like we don't really have uh, many rules. Um, not in the DS dynamic, but in, in the relationship yeah. dynamic. There aren't really any rules besides communication, right? Whereas other people will go through these like processes of like chickens and like you can do this, you can do that. Like there's much more um, like a... Uh, an
0: ease, easy, easing,
1: easing it. in. Yeah. Um, whereas, like we just kind of, we've always just been like, this is it. Like we're doing, we're doing this. There are no rules. Let's just communicate. Um, but that the DS dynamic, like, is a way for us to role play uh, possession and being possessed. Exactly.
0: DS for those who don't know stands for dominance and submission. <laughs>
1: Like 45 minutes in. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I've only said it a couple of no, times. No, no, no. For sure. Um, but like that that is um, especially me like coming from a, a long-term relationship where um, for better or for worse, I did feel possessed. Um, and that that was really annoying and also comforting in some way. And that I find like the ability to role play these like i don't think we can deny that we like to possess and be and be possessed like there's something comforting about that there's something safe um and the ability to kind of do both is to like feel that way like i like feeling possessed by you while also uh enjoying being able to go and have other lovers exactly i mean
0: just so people are wondering about like the the nuts and bolts of this like (laughs) you know um it's it's this kind of (laughs) ritualized thing where you ask me permission for things with full knowledge that permission will be granted Mm -hmm. and that i'm not going to more, much more often than Most not. Of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to have, have some surprises here and there. For sure, for sure. But, I like having like surprises. But, but I'm just saying, like, there's, if people are curious about how does this play out practically, um, I do think it's worth saying that there's this amazing ritualized kind of. Uh, uh, you know seeking of and giving of like control and permission mm-hmm. but it's very it's done on a backdrop of both Consent. of us recognizing no and also recognizing the beauty of freedom and of, of the, the intrinsic value totally. of, of embracing the having other lovers for example totally. like that's like you know if we were both pointing to a place where like we knew that you know either one or both of us wanted monogamy and we're like doing this in the meantime that That would would be terrible it would be terrible yeah but we found that we both like actually appreciate all the beauties of like knowing that our lovers are enjoying other experiences that they're having needs met with other people that we don't have necessarily have to like be the person who meets all the needs Mm -hmm. and yet there's a there's another added like icing uh, and you know on this cake which is that then you get to feel included,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's yeah, a, it's a ritualized really like, the way of of, of like yeah. including, and then so there's this thing of like, how does that communication unfold? Yeah, and it's a beautiful uh, again, it's a beautiful game that's not a game. Yeah, it's uh, just
1: a sacred game, is what you say. Uh, yeah. Well, I think I, I was talking to some friends about about kink last week, and neither of them are like uh, kinky people, but. But my one friend said that uh, they were in a relationship previously, and and their partner, their ex partner, was like really into kink, and uh, and my friend like wasn't that into it, but was like happy to kind of play along, um, and do that do that role to make their partner happy, and in that moment, I just sort of realized like what um what a divine moment we like entered into each other's lives because we were both. Uh, I think we align on so many things that we want and, um, as much as I want to explore kink, you also want to explore it and as much as we want to explore polyamory, like we're just very aligned in all of those ways and, um that was
0: also a process of figuring that out totally that couldn't have just been done like any faster than it did
1: no totally i think
0: that like like getting to this place in our lives has mm-hmm. taken getting to this place in our lives totally like um
1: but there's th- a real magic in that alignment i think
0: i i'm a hundred percent in agreement and that's i have probably- a question for you okay
1: um i think that i like i've spoken about my relationship to kink as a woman um. What? And I know that you've had like more experience, like in <laughs> drinking my she water. She
0: hates when I drink her water. <laughs> this is the um, one place uh, I assert dominance that she hates. <laughs> I'm taking a sip of your water because I'm out of my water.
1: I just liked it I <laughs> another episode on idiosyncrasies. Um. What do you? You? You've been in more DS dynamics than I have. Um
0: i do think this is i i I. okay go ahead i'm gonna let you well yeah
1: i think well i guess maybe you could speak to what is different about our dynamic the dynamic that we're co-creating right now but also you know from a more intellectual or philosophical perspective sociological perspective like what has uh engaging in ds as a dom like uh, taught you about your relationship to masculinity?
0: Yeah, it's it's very much the other side of the coin of what you were talking about. Like I am very much not a traditional man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like again, both the types of relationships I've sought out, the types of partners I've had um, have been very much defined by a degree of, freedom and independence that very few uh, relationships are based on, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I take pride in that, you know? And again, it's like a happy accident that I happen to be attracted to this type of human, but there it is. Like I am and, and I'm not interested in, in, in a traditional nuclear family, gender dynamic, uh, you know, I kind of, went there with marriage a bit, but my marriage was so much based on someone so fiercely independent and our genders were reversed in the sense that she made a lot more money than me. Mm -hmm. She was out there like doing her thing and I was just in awe of it the entire time and never tried to put the brakes on it in any way. So that the traditional like man breadwinner with a woman at home cooking and cleaning and having kids like I'm 46 I have no kids like I I I don't fit into that those uh that role and I don't want to Mm -hmm. I'm much more interested in like rethinking how if I do have kids I'm more interested in doing it in a in a more tribal setting Mm -hmm. in a kind of uh you know my happiest memories of childhood are not from like the the nuclear family which i found was like fraught with uh with uh just deep problems of mm. like just i don't know i mean i just have these like uh i i, I I'm, all my memories of my parents are much much happier when they were apart mm. like i know they were very happy in the very beginning but that was before i, I had a chance to remember and then mm. there was several years where they were fighting and it was just like mm. it was just a, a, a dark moment i think in all of our lives a bit and it's scarred us like mm. me and my brother i think deeply and then my grandfather had this kind of more communal existence my mother's father who was younger than my father <laughs> um and i have these wonderful memories of like being in of community mm. of like people playing music and falling asleep like in the living room and not having a set mm. bedtime and to having feeling that there's all these interesting people around that like i could take care of me um that felt safer to me than the uh, than the mom and dad at home. Mm-hmm. And then when they split up, I was actually happy to have these separate lives and mm-hmm. not be able to go to Italy and spend time with my father mm-hmm. and see his like wild, untamed life and the way he'd done that. And my mom moving around and exploring her ways with difficulties of being a single mom in her twenties with two little kids and like. Um, but still it was like this adventure and this like the future that was unknown to a certain degree which I've always really strived for in my life. I don't want to have like a, I'm not interested in choices that that close off too much possibility. So um, all this to say that my relationship to masculinity, I've also just, um, I don't feel like my personality is traditionally very masculine. Like I think like I don't know. I, I just think I, I'm in touch with my feminine side, in quote quote unquote feminine side. I think that obviously all these things are being reinterpreted in a wonderful way. I'm very much I'm very.
1: I think we can still. I think um, there's archetypes. Let's say I think that masculine and feminine is different than than male and female. Yeah. Yeah. um And I think that like even in when even in like a non-binary context like um there's still the acknowledgement of those poles yin and yang right like i think there is something very essential about the masculine and the feminine um energies and so i think it's a it's a great way like i have i have very masculine energy in in some ways you know
0: but to to finish answering your question like i i like you no I, i say the opposite of you actually i think that i am not so interested in the, the the male archetype in the outside world i'm much more interested in questioning that and mm-hmm. reinterpreting it i would like to go deeper into mm-hmm. like uh questioning that and like i'm, I, I'm freeing myself of the yeah. shackles of like traditional masculinity and stuff like that i think that it's very limiting
1: yeah totally
0: and so again like and then like you i think it's both fun and cathartic and sexy to kind of like take on this 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 more traditional role mm-hmm. in this kind of ritualized theatrical way um, that that's- does reflect the deep truth of what's in me. that's why I asked is it innate because mm-hmm. there is a certain innateness to it but I with the caveat that, that obviously that what feels innate is built on our contingent like mm-hmm. experiences of childhood and the, the contingencies of our culture. And the way it happened to unfold and it could have unfolded a million other ways mm-hmm. but for whatever it is it's it's healthy and fun and uh complicated mm-hmm. in a f- fascinating way mm-hmm. to like dive into that role and be this more uh obviously masculine mm-hmm. manifestation of me
1: Has it been surprising?
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say
1: more.
0: Well, again, like with, I I don't want to get into TMI, (laughs) but um, (laughs) (laughs) no, I think that there's a, uh, I think that we both uh, are really enjoying and you've pushed me farther than I've ever been pushed before Mm. by like expressing a certain like uh pleasure and pain Mm -hmm. in like uh in like really pushing the limits there in terms of like uh you know roughness for lack of a better word (laughs) violence yeah um I think that uh again it's like this really safe container to explore these these like really like really primitive how they coming across as primitive or being experienced as primitive urges, let's say.
1: Does it scare you?
0: It hasn't scared me. It's just surprised, maybe is the more of the word. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm such a pacifist. Like, deep down. Yeah. I'm the... So, avoid conflict at all costs. I'm always... Being the middle brother also, like, has always made me, like, just, like, really tuned into like always trying to see both you know you, you accuse me yeah. of this politically too sometimes and with like yeah, I, like debates with Aaron like yeah. always like uh you know both sides is yeah uh, but it's really like a genuine like empathy for totally. any other perspective than yeah. my own like I genuinely think like well if this person reached this place there must be some truth to it and like always wanting to kind of meet them halfway And then in our dynamic it's like the opposite there's no compromise there's no like uh you know there's like this kind of like my way or the highway type thing which is like again let's be explicit here this is like deeply consensual there's a always way to like exit at any moment but there's this like inhabiting of these like again it's these opposites of what we manifest in our day-to-day interactions and obviously there's a there's a, a need for to have that outlet and maybe for everyone but definitely for us you know
1: yeah yeah i think uh i think definitely for us and maybe for many other people and they just don't know it yeah but i do think that we found ourselves in a very particular um moment in each other's lives that allows us to I think play in this space with like so much care and so much communication and so much love that um you know i wouldn't tell anyone to just start playing in these murky waters without really making sure that the person that you're doing with um is holding you with care um and and with love
0: i actually you've used the word murky waters a few times and i actually I actually disagree with the metaphor i would think of it more as very clear waters but with a lot of like hazards so they're like um when i when i think of 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 the waters that Uh we're sailing through i see them pristine and beautiful and sparkling but with like jagged rocks everywhere and like uh and like 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 dangers and 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 currents Mm and and there's like a a real flow of the water murky water seems still to me yeah and it seems like it doesn't like allow you to see anything whereas i see a lot so i'm thinking and i see deep so i think that there's like i see if if we were gonna like use the water like like metaphor the symbol symbology of it i see you know uh rapids uh, I see lots of motion. I see lots of clarity. Mm-hmm. I see lots of danger, mm-hmm. and I see lots of fun. <laughs> so, like, like none of those uh, yeah. are present in 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 the image of murky water for me. Yeah. But again, it's just a, maybe it's just an aesthetic. Uh, yeah. Predisposition. I don't
1: know. I think that I'm arriving. Mm. I think maybe it's it, it goes up and down. Like, there have been some moments where it's felt very murky to me. And not in a way that um, is dangerous, but in a way where I'm like, whoa, we're blurring so many boundaries that I don't know uh, what the container is anymore, especially with work um, and with friends who are also lovers, who are also friends. Right. Like... Um, and working together, um, and then making art about us working together and playing together. Like it there have been moments where it's felt a little murky, and maybe it's just,, um,
0: they're just kicking up the sand.
1: Kicking up the sand, yeah,, because yeah. I agree with you, there is a lot of clarity um
0: yeah we've kicked up a lot of sand
1: and i mean i just i think we've just so gracefully moved through the obstacles that have been presented before us that in this moment like even being able to sit here and talk to you about this in a relatively public arena like is only by virtue of the grace that we've moved through um all of these obstacles or kicking up the sand or whatever yeah um and that like i you know it's been a lot of work and yeah. I've loved every single moment of it, um, and we've only grown deeper. Yeah, which is I think astounding. Let,
0: let this be the first of many conversations, but I think this is probably a good mm. way to place to wrap this one up.
1: Yeah, feels good.
0: Thank you, Dulcinea. and I'm sorry tell. it took me so long to figure out. It's okay.
1: <laughs> I'm not really sorry. Daddy's always right. <laughs> Are you going to cut that? <laughs> nope. Not, I take it back. You're not
0: allowed to edit any of this. And we're releasing it exactly as it is. Okay, well, and we're I'll releasing just, it today.
1: I'll say as a, a today. Oh, my God. No, I'll say, know, like, before second. you cut it off, yeah. I'm sure that I have deeper and more um, articulate things to say about feminism like i'm like doubling back on that so maybe no no no.
0: you said a lot of great things and and i uh, just
1: that's like such a big question and so i just want to no, Disclaim th- that I certainly have more things to say about feminism and... And Marxism.
0: I want to hear more and about... Marxism and I, and I want sure. to talk about more about our work in Bombay Beach. So let's yeah, let's make totally. the next conversation more explicitly great. political. That's great. And this will just be part one of good, two. Good, good, good. I'll okay? talk about it a little bit more. Okay.
1: Okay. okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you, both, so I love you. <laughs> love you. <laughs>